You're listening to the VJ Hemonk podcast. Hello and welcome. Exciting research into CAR T therapies for multiple myeloma are currently underway. This new area offers the promise of a potentially revolutionary treatment, but to ensure its success and feasibility, there are several considerations. This podcast offers a fascinating panel discussion at the Myeloma 2018 meeting in San Diego, featuring David Siegel, Andrew Spencer, and Ravi V. The trio discuss the current landscape of CAR-T cell therapy for myeloma, including new targets, different payment models, and where this therapy would be best placed in the treatment sequence. Hi, I'm David Siegel. I'm here at the Myeloma 2018 meeting with Andrew Spencer and Ravi Vij, and we're here to, to spend a little bit of time talking about the role of CAR T cell therapy in multiple myeloma. And I recognize that this is a very complicated question, and perhaps we're asking these questions a, a little bit early in the history and evolution of myeloma. Uh, CAR T cell therapy, but um, what what is your early impression, Ravi, about uh, the efficacy and and where you would place uh, CAR T cell therapy in our armamentarium? So as you just said, I think it's a little early to form a definitive opinion, but most of the studies have been done in highly refractory patients, especially what we call these days pentarefractory patients. I think there's proof of principle that they work. Uh, the durability of their uh, uh, working is something that we're just beginning to, I think, understand. Uh, some of the longer-term follow-up data just extends perhaps between a year and two. And I think that uh, certainly uh, the uh, products work, but they probably will not, at least as currently studied in the current population, lead to too many cures. Because I think a lot of patients have been looking for the cure for myeloma and hopefully this will be something that we can tout as a cure in the future with refinement in technology, the patient base. But I think it's certainly an advance, no doubt about it. It's certainly uh, in the population studied, perhaps the most active treatment uh, that we have for our patients. Uh, the question also always comes up is how is the cost going to justify the benefit? So uh, we, we were having a conversation about some of this stuff earlier. Um, we, we have a, a lot of unanswered questions. Is BCMA the right target? Um, are there patients who are cured? What percentage uh, of the patient will be cured? Uh, how, how do you see the, the current technology mostly directed at BCMA and, and where we should go, what kind of questions we should be asking? Well, I'd like to echo what uh, has just been said. I think that we've got proof of concept that these may be useful in the clinic and there's certainly a lot of excitement. What I think um, is probably lacking uh, is knowing the correct target. I'm not convinced BCMA is necessarily the right target. Uh, I don't think that the current uh, production process, now the cells are engineered, will probably be the final way that this is done. I think there'll be probably significant advances in the technology. Um, and I think that identifying the patient population in who to use these products will be critical, particularly in jurisdictions where cost may be a greater uh, obstacle to their utilisation. And I think really they have to be a home run. I think that'd be a one-off therapy in the right person choosing the right target. So uh, our experience to date has, as you said, been in the uh, the unmet need population, what we call the penta refractory population. And certainly in my, my own experiences, we've had patients that 
clearly were not going to respond to anything else and have had exceptionally fast responses that have been durable, but durable meaning a year, sometimes uh, somewhat longer than a year. Um, the, you know, the, there's going to be a value decision that needs to be made, and and what is the the criteria going to be? Um, you know, to to cure 25% of patients, uh, to uh, to extend uh, you know progression-free survivals of a year, two years, ten years. What you know, what what is the answer? I mean, clearly from other. CAR T cell experiences in ALL and lymphomas and in uh, in the CAR 19 experience. Clearly, we are uh, curing a significant portion, and in some diseases, the overwhelming majority of patients. So, what what is our our standard going to have to be? What's going to justify this kind of technology in multiple myeloma? So, so I, I think that's a very valid question, and I think that I don't know if I have an answer to that question. Um, however, I think uh, it is also going to depend upon the competing landscape. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, BCMA may not be the correct target, but e if we uh, hypothesize that it is the target worth going after, do you have to have a CAR T cell? Can you do it with an antibody drug conjugate? Can you do it with the bites in development? I think that will also decide the value proposition for a CAR T cell. And also I think that finally there will be these novel mechanisms of payment that have started uh, being explored even with the Novartis product and acute lymphoblastic leukemia, but the time point is at one month what is the response and it's a decision made on payment. But perhaps there may be a model where you can uh, have a phased in payment that, okay, if you're responding at one month, one year, two years, five years, I think those may be solutions to this, uh, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that area, but certainly people are talking about this being a potential way to uh, you know, answer the question of what the value is. So Andrew, you yeah. come from Australia and, and a completely different both philosophy and construct to healthcare in Australia than we have here in the United States. Is, is there going to be uh, you know, significantly greater barriers? Is this going to be something that is adopted? And what's going to take for it to be adopted? Mm. Well, clearly we have a, a universal healthcare system, so it's paid for by the tax payers. And the process to get funding is extremely rigorous. Um, we have to demonstrate incremental cost effectiveness, quality adjusted life year improvement, and there are thresholds for all of these things. So there'll be a major challenge at the current cost to imagine this would ever be funded by the health system in Australia. However, in saying that, I think if the appropriate target population was identified where you could have a reasonably high uh, level of confidence you're gonna cure that patient, well then that would completely change the paradigm. And that's why I think we really need to be doing a lot more work with these agents to focus on who is gonna benefit because we don't really know if they're going to be agnostic to other risk factors and <laughs> drug resistance mechanisms. So it's really, really early days. There's a lot of hype, a lot of hope, um, but I think in a system such as the one I'm in, there's going to need to be really rock solid clinical evidence that you are curing people because it's an incurable disease. So I think if you have a curative intervention, you've got to sit up and really take notice of that. 
particularly if we can utilize this intervention early on in the, the course of, of care, avoid the, the other expenditures. I mean, we're not talking about comparing a, a you know, extraordinarily expensive therapy with therapy that is of neg negligible cost. I mean, all of myeloma care has become very, very expensive. So, uh, you know, one can make the argument that if you can, you know, cut out a year of therapy, you can cut out two or three years of therapy with an early intervention with this kind of uh, technology that that the, the, the cost saving is is uh, is enough to to overcome some of our you know instinctive um, resistance to you know to, to buying into uh, uh, CAR T cells as our savior. But I agree with both of you. Uh, you know BCMA is the beginning. Uh, we may evolve to other targets. We may have evolved to combination targets. I think that that's uh, a very uh, active uh, area of investigation right now. But is there anything that either of you would do? Uh, well, Andrew, you first. Your comment about replacing therapies is actually <coughs> what drives drug approval where I live. So the funders will look at something and say, well, if I'm going to spend X number of dollars on this, what am I not going to spend money on? Are Australian dollars worth more or less than American dollars? Less than American dollars <laughs> <laughs> at the moment. Um, and so I would envisage that if we're going to use these therapies, they're going to be used very early in the treatment algorithm. And probably what we'll do generically is get people to minimal disease and then use these agents. Now, how we get there will differ in different jurisdictions. But where I live, it'll probably be something cheap and cheerful and an autograph and then something like CAR T cells. And I think that could be cost effective as a replacement to you know, other more high cost uh, pharmacotherapeutics. I think there's plenty of reason why to explore them in early on. I think for our especially high risk myeloma, we don't do well. Perhaps that patient can be called out for a new treatment paradigm. Also, your immune system is uh, probably more conducive to producing uh, these effectively when you haven't had too much treatment. And one thing fortunate is that in a lot of the trials to date with CAR T cells, we haven't seen that CRS and neurological toxicity that has plagued some of the other developments. Not that we are totally free of that with the BCMA products. Some are more uh, you know, um, toxic than others in the experience to date. However, I think the toxicity profile that has emerged justifies that it could be moved into earlier lines of treatment. Yeah, I think that, at least in my own personal experiences, and, and while I'm not a lymphoma doctor, I get to cover the lymphoma patients who are going through CAR-19 therapies, uh, the, the, the level of toxicity, the, the complications are, are clearly much less with the, the, the uh, BCMA-directed CAR T cells, at least uh, what we're using in, in our you know, local institution. So uh, I, I think we have every right to be excited about this. Um, I think we should be even more excited that, uh, that this is going to drive uh, additional target uh, selection uh, uh, whether one of the targets that is already being investigated is going to turn out to be the best one, whether it's going to be SLAM F7 or, you know, CD56 or CD38, whatever the the the, the target might be, uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, at least from the the sense that we're going to have an opportunity to to. 
uh, control disease in patients that right now we're just you know, throwing up our hands and not really uh, having uh, great expectations. No, I agree. I think there is a lot unknown, not only the targets. We don't know what the right dose is, how free, uh, should you give more than one mm -hmm. product, whether persistence is needed, what are the right co-stimulatory molecules. In the future, we will probably have, uh, you know, uh, cars perhaps directed at more than one uh, antigen. And so I think that there is potential for this technology going forth. We haven't obviously I think uh, maximizes potential in any way. Yeah, and, and I think that there, there will be an economy of scale, so hopefully this will become more accessible to, to more people. I think it's likely as well that there'll be some level of enthusiasm to combine these agents with other immune yeah. drugs. Yeah. And I think we need to be very cautious in that space um, because we don't want to have a catastrophic outcome that could impede the development so I think there needs to be a very careful thought about mm -hmm. what to combine with and for there to be a rationale rather than just, you know, oh, we think this is a good idea. Uh, I think we need to be very cautious because we don't want to, uh, I guess, push things off the rails in terms of development. Yeah, I think one of the, the things that strikes me the most about this, and this is not necessarily specific to CAR T cells, but uh, that, you know, you and I are perhaps slightly older than Ravi, but... Um, Not that much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, it wasn't that long ago that the idea that one company would invest this kind of, you know, dollars and infrastructure in, in developing this kind of technology in myeloma, let alone to have 10 or 15 or 20 companies out there uh, competing for this space, spending this kind of money on myeloma. The, 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 as I said, it wasn't that long ago when no, no one was interested in myeloma as a target disease because, you know, there wasn't uh, there, there wasn't uh, uh, enough uh, financial motivation to do it, and now uh, we're we're lucky. I mean that we're having this kind of conversation about this uh, kind of technology and our disease. It raises an interesting point because I think a lot of the drug development in myeloma is because of the remitting, relapsing nature of the, the disease. Yeah. In that you know this money in them their hills with the drug that'll work in relapse disease. And the paradigm here might be completely different. Mm -hmm. so it may actually make all of that development redundant yeah. if the right target and population are identified. Yeah. I think one thing that could make it feasible in the future is if you can have an off-the-shelf product uh, that you can uh, bring the cost down with. That's another area where I think the future may be. Yeah. And it may not be CAR T cells that we end up with. It may be, you know, CAR NK cells. It may be, uh, you know, we're just we're just beginning to scratch the surface. Uh, I don't think any of us would argue that uh, it's a very exciting time for for us, but more importantly for the for the patients. Very true. So I'd like to thank Ravi and Andrew for for joining us. I, I think that. Uh, this is a, an extraordinarily important subject in myeloma, but in cancer biology in general, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this. So thank you guys very much. I don't know about you, but we at VJ Hemonk are excited to hear how this story progresses. 
To be the first to hear further Hemonc updates, including upcoming content from the ESH Multiple Myeloma 2018 meeting and ASH, subscribe to our newsletter at vjhemonc.com or find us on Twitter at vjhemonc.